Welcome to church. I am glad you're here today. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today. First of all, it's different because we're in our chapel, and that provides a, a more intimate setting for us, and we're glad you're here. And uh, secondly, I'm going to preach a little differently today, and what that simply means is I'm breaking up the sermon into three different parts throughout our worship time together. And I would really like to know what you think about this, and Joanna did a great job of mentioning our communication card, and that's a place you can express to us how you experience worship in the chapel and uh, just how you experience today, and we would really like your feedback. Now, I've got one favor to ask. Uh, sign your name. You know, if you have an opinion, you ought to own up to it, and just sign your name when you turn it in. So we would really love to know kind of what you think about worship today in the chapel, and uh, I sometimes like to change things up. I get bored easily. And so I do think variety is the spice of life, and so let me know a little bit about how you experience the sermon as well today, and I would really appreciate that. Uh, we are in the chapel today worshiping the Lord and talking about our theme for 2008, which is Connect 360. Yeah, and uh, we begin by talking about Connect 360 ought to remind us throughout the year of our connection with God. And I hope as you see this through theme throughout the year, you're going to uh, ask yourself, am I connecting to God? How am I connecting to God? Uh, what does that mean for me right now? And we have a verse, of course, to back that up, right? And we'd like to say it together. You've already memorized it, right? Well, let's say it together. Uh, this is from Matthew chapter 22. And these are the words of Jesus. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And we talked a little bit about what it means to love God and connect with God last week. Now today, Connect 360 is not only about your connection with God, it's about your connection with the church. And Jesus followed up this first great commandment with another commandment in verse, the following verses, and I'd like for us to read that together, and that's also a part of what we're memorizing. Would you read with me? And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we're going to talk about what does it mean to connect to the church? Why church? What's the church about? And uh, I invite you to join in today talking about church matters. Would you stand up with me and uh, just turn around and welcome somebody to church? We're going to have a new name for the old first church. What is church? In fact, I think what I'd like to start with is the sentence completion, what church is not. So I want a little feedback here, a little help. Uh, how would you end that sentence? Church is not... Okay. Entertainment. Okay. Church is not... A bunch of perfect Christians. Yes. <laughs> what else? A bunch of perfect Christians. Thank you. What? Membership? Not a membership. Okay, what else are you thinking? Social club? Yeah? Uh, it's not about me. Well, okay. I was beginning to wonder. Um, hope you have a worship folder. In there is an outline, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what church is not, and then answer the question, what is church? And uh, you've kind of already gone down the road I've been thinking about, but uh, here are some of my answers. First of all, church is not all about me. 
And I hope you agree with that statement this morning. If not, maybe we need to keep talking. But didn't that video make a great point? And yet it does kind of touch a raw nerve perhaps for us as well. What else? Well, the church is not a building, as someone mentioned. Um, I've got some pictures I want to show you of a church building. Let me see if you recognize that. Pretty good shot, isn't it? I flew my helicopter around and uh, (laughs) took a couple pictures. Let's look at the other one here. Uh, Actually, Susanna and Bryce Herkert are um, with the DEA. I'm not sure why they were flying around our church. But they sent me a bunch of photos. They're just outstanding photos of old First Baptist Church building. And uh, one other church picture, my favorite church building that I, of all the buildings I've seen in the world, and I do like to go in churches, is St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, Italy. And the outside uh, is interesting, but the inside is all mosaic. It's, all, it's made out of, in the, on the inside, the interior is all tile, mosaic tile, and it's gold. And there are all these biblical scenes around the church. You could spend hours and days in there just looking at the various scenes. It's, it's a great place, and I enjoy that church. But church really is not a building. What else is on my list? Well, I put down um, the church is not a denomination. We are a part of the American Baptist family of churches, and we are interconnected with those churches. We seek to do mission, have fellowship, and carry out our ministry in connection with American Baptist family and many other churches. But church is not a denomination. Um, Another thing that's on my list, church is not the pastor's idea. Churches aren't pastors' ideas. We didn't start churches. And then one more, uh, and I was, it's interesting, Glenn picked up on this. The church is not a place of what? Perfect people. It's not a place of perfect people. And if we expect perfection when we come to church, we are going to be deeply disappointed. You got it. So what is the church? I want to spend just a moment um, not giving you so much I, my idea, but looking in the Bible. Now, we're not going to turn to a bunch of Bible verses because it'd take all day. But I've listed those for you in the outline. You can look them up if you want later. But let's look at what the Bible says briefly about church. Now, if you were reading the Greek New Testament, the word you would run, run across is the word ekklesia. And that word simply means an assembly. It was often used in a political context of an assembly of people. And the New Testament writers picked up that word and used it over a hundred times in the New Testament, and we translate it church. It's an assembly of people. Now, in, in the Bible, mostly it's used of an assembly of God's people, people that are called out of the world, people that have committed themselves to be followers of Jesus Christ, and they are called the church. And so this morning, as we think of that word, we are thinking of a group of people who have been, who identify with Jesus Christ. Um, now, let's go a little further. Not only is the church an assembly of people, but it's important to remember that, first of all, the church is not a human idea. It's God's idea. God started the church. Uh, Baptists didn't start the church. Presbyterians didn't start the church. Catholics didn't start the church. It wasn't any denominational idea. Some committee of religious people didn't dream up the church. It's God's idea. And I think it's very important to come back to that truth this morning that what we're doing today is not a human idea. This is not a human institution. Church really is God's idea. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I, who's speaking? Jesus, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus started the church. 
Jesus died for the church. In Ephesians 5.25 we read, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Jesus gave Himself up for the church. The Bible says that He obtained it with the blood, that God obtained the church with the blood of His own Son. Another translation says that He purchased the church with His own blood. That's an interesting thought. Jesus purchased the church with His blood. Now, a little survey. Be honest with me. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would like a show of hands. How many of you, if you were standing in front of the mirror or looking over your body, your physical flesh and blood, your body, the skin you came in in, how many of you have a blemish on your body? If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to bring you up here. We're all going to look at you. So, uh... Richard, did you raise your hand? Okay. Anybody not have a blemish on their body? You want to tell me about any of those? No, no, no. I said I wouldn't embarrass you, but, you know, as you look in the mirror, wrinkles, uh, age marks, uh, pimples maybe, moles, birthmarks, scars, uh, stuff happens to us, doesn't it? And we say sometimes we like to go and, and get it removed. In fact, as I was driving in today, I was listening to the news, and there was some product advertised that they would send you for free and it'd start removing wrinkles around your mouth and wrinkles around your eyes, and, you know, that's what they were advertising. Now, why am I bringing up blemishes as we talk about the church? Well, in Ephesians 5.27, the Bible says this, that God's going to present the church to Himself in splendor, I'm reading the Scripture now, without a spot or wrinkle or anything of that kind, yes, so that she, the church, may be holy and without blemish. That's sweet. Wow. Can you imagine, as you go to see God, you see, you worry about this. You say, well, I don't know if I want to see God or not. And you show up, and you look better than you've ever looked in your life, because there's no spot, blemish, wrinkle, or anything of the kind. Now, he's talking spiritually. He's not talking about our physical body. I understand that. But nevertheless, it helps to think that way, that as we are presented by Christ in heaven, as we come to church, we are spotless, without wrinkle, and without blemish. The reference is in your Bible. You can look it up for yourself. Not a bad deal, is it? I mean, that's, that's a great thing to think about. Jesus loves the church. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. How are we to love our wives? As Christ loved the church. So Christ loves us as we're sitting here today, the body of Christ, the church. Christ loves us. Uh, each year, we elect new members in the church, and we ask old le- uh, leaders to, to continue. Now, what role does God play in the leadership of the church? Well, actually, the church is resourced by God. God provides the leaders for our church. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, And God, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. God has appointed in the church. So God resources the church, or the church is resourced by God. The church is also a place of truth. The Bible says, if uh, Paul writing to Timothy, if I'm delayed, you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the household of God, another word for the church, and which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, we have a man who works in our building. His name is Martin. He's the custodian. And it's his job to take care of the building. We use that term custodian because it means to 
the custodian takes care of things. He makes sure they're okay, they're presentable. The church, the living body of Christ, is the custodian of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the good news about God and God's love for us through Jesus. God's given us custodianship of that. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So I hope this morning you realize uh, what is the church. The Bible says these things about the church. So what do you think about church matters? Church is a big deal to God, and connecting to the church is a big deal to God. It's God's idea. I've tried to express it this way. God dreamed of the church. Jesus started the church. The Holy Spirit is here to guide the church. Peter and Paul planted churches and ultimately died for the church. Origen, Tertullian, Augustine, Aquinas, and countless others down through the centuries have taught and led and bled and died for the church. Martin Luther called the church to reform. Charles and John Wesley, George Whitfield, Charles Finley, and others were used by God to revive the church. Martin Luther King Jr. was brought up in the church, was ordained by the church, and he peacefully attacked racism in our world coming out of the church as he launched his ministry. I'm simply trying to say church matters. It matters to God, and it should matter to us. It matters to Jesus. He gave his life for the church. It mattered to Peter and Paul. Church mattered to to Martin and to Mandela. Church matters, and I celebrate your presence here today in church, and I hope you are connected to the living body of Christ, the church. But I'm not done. One final thing. Uh, What happens in church? The next question I want to ask you for some feedback on is, um, church is where we, and how would you complete that sentence? Church is where we what? Worship, of course. Pray. Learn about God. Connect with God. What else? Serve God. Thank God, yeah. Find a life. Church is where we find a wife or find a husband. Or When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you finally said, to, yes, God, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. However that happened for you, you became a Christian, we say, or you were born again or got saved or however you express that. When you became a follower of Jesus, what was the next step? Baptism. Where do you get baptized? The church baptizes you. Whether it's in a building or in a river is irrelevant. The church baptizes. What else do we do? We fellowship. We celebrate communion. Okay, we've got baptism and communion out. I'm happy now. Uh, the church does these things. Where, what else do we do in church? Where did you get married? In church, in a building. Where are you going to be buried? You, I hope to come. If I die while I'm a pastor here, bring me back here and have a great big party. I want a celebration in the church, with the church. And so there are lots of things that happen in church. Uh, I celebrate your presence today in church. Church matters. I came across this, 10 things you're never going to hear in church. I guess you are going to hear some of them, but um, stay with me now. I'm not going to give you all 10, but number 10 is this. Pastor, nothing inspires me and strengthens my commitment like our annual stewardship campaign. <laughs> not going to hear that in church. Um, You're not going to hear this in church. Ted, since we're all here early, why don't we start? Or, um, 
Have you ever heard this in church? You're not going to hear this in church, Ted. I love it when we sing new songs I've never heard of before. Um, and here's one for Matt, works with our youth. Uh, Matt, I'd like to volunteer to be a permanent teacher for the junior high Sunday school class. Oh, yes, that would be heaven, wouldn't it? Um, I don't know. Somebody might say, uh, you probably never hear this in church. Personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than playing golf. Uh, and one last one. Hey, it's my turn to sit on the front row. Oh, that would be sweet. That would be sweet. Uh, What I want to do here in this final section is to talk to you about church dreams. And this is the most difficult part for me because I could talk all afternoon about my dreams for our church. But I really want to uh, ask you to think about what are your dreams for our church. And you have in your worship folder this blue sheet of paper. And I'm going to ask you to be be looking at that, thinking about it, filling it out, borrow a pen or pencil from somebody. And the ushers are prepared. After church, you can uh, drop this in. You don't need to put your name on it. You can if you want. It's up to you. But we'd like to know what your dreams are for the church. And if you have any further feedback about chapel worship at all, you can put that on the back as well. Um, But I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Be be thinking about that now. Uh, This is our 125th anniversary. And this is factoid number three. Uh, We're going to put up a picture before our church was built on this property. That's not it. Uh, Here's what it looked like. And I don't know if you can see that red X there, but that's roughly somewhere in that vicinity where the church building was built. But uh, Marengo in Colorado in 1887. Can you imagine? Just look at that. We're looking north up towards the mountain. This is from approximately Colorado Street, you know, looking up Marengo. You can see the row of trees. What's across the street? Looks like an orchard to me, doesn't it? Uh, Some kind of orchard. Yeah. Anyhow, kind of fun. Uh, Don't you wonder, in fact, we may share with you, if you need a pencil, Joe's helping out here. Good job, Joe. Um, Just raise your hand. There's somebody over here, Joe. Uh, Don't you wonder, in fact, we're going to share a little bit of that with you. Don't you wonder about uh, what, what were their dreams for our church? When they started this church in 1883, why? What did they dream? What did they want to see happen in Pasadena because of First Baptist Church? So I want to talk to you for a moment just about dreams for our church and what they might be. Now, one way we try to focus ourselves and express our mission, and we worked on this a couple years ago and put it together, is we have a purpose or a mission statement. And you all know it, right? They don't want to lie. Uh, well, you're trying to learn. Anyhow, this is our purpose statement. Let's read it together. The purpose of FBCP is to make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. Our purpose is what? Yes. Now, when we were going through this process with Dr. Hoyt a couple years ago, he said, you know, close your eyes and dream. That's your vision. What do you really see happening if you could... Uh, pray it to pass, what would you ask God for in our church? And we call that a vision statement. The purpose statement is very general. Lots of churches could put this up and say that's our vision. It's it's a broad statement. It's meant to be. But the vision is a little more particular. Let me put up what we wrote a couple years ago. And this is just, I'm putting these things up to kind of prompt your thinking, to help you get in track. What is your dream for First Baptist? We said we see a, a FBCP in the heart of the community with a sanctuary filled with worshipers. 
Well, the chapel's filled with worshipers. Hallelujah. Uh, with a building filled for God's purposes. With a community filled with transformed lives. And finally, a world filled with disciples who share Christ's love. That's a big vision, isn't it? But that's one way we have tried to express our vision. Now, again, I would like to th- you to be thinking about what is your dream for our church? And I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment to share that. What kind of church would you like to be a part of? What is the p- church supposed to be? As you pray and participate, what is your dream for the church? And this morning, I'm going to wrap up by sharing a story with you and alluding to a couple other stories. And, and my goal is I think these stories illustrate for me the church living out her purpose. Uh, so I'm not going to answer the question for you in a sense what my dream is, but I want to share with you a couple of stories. I actually had a bunch of stories, and I deleted them because this, this morning as I was thinking and praying, un, I don't know why, but a woman's name popped into my mind, and I'm going to tell you about Martha. She's a member of my former church, an attender actually. She came from a Catholic background. She's Hispanic, and she and her family began attending our church. Then she went through a very painful divorce, And she ended up, she had a great job. She was a single mom with three teenage kids. you imagine? And uh, those kids, they had their trials and troubles. One Sunday, I was at church. We preached, and I saw Martha come in very late. And after church and the fellowship hour was about done, people were mostly gone. And Martha came up and said, may I speak to you privately for a minute? And I said, sure. And we sat down in a pretty empty chapel at that point. And I said, what's up? And she said, I haven't seen a vet and she named the number of days. I've forgotten, like in six days. That was her younger da- her daughter, a teenager, maybe 12, 13, very young. And she said, I haven't seen her in a long time. I've called her friends. I can't find her. I don't know where she is. I've called the police. They're not very helpful. Now, if you're a parent, you know what that's like. I mean, your heart is just gone. It's just broken. It's, it's a gut-wrenching experience. And so I listened, and we talked, and I prayed with Martha, and kept the church kept in touch with her for the next few days, and Yvette eventually showed up. Now, that was kind of the beginning of a lot of things that happened in Yvette's life and her older brother's lives. I mean, Martha had a rough time with these kids. But the church was with her. And she came to church that Sunday morning. Why? She didn't know where else to go. She was so broken, so fearful, so uh, anxious. What did she do? She went to church, and there she was embraced and welcomed and prayed for now, a couple years ago, I was out in Newhall at Newhall Park with my grandsons, and we were climbing up the hill there and looking in the old buildings and climbing trees. And as we came back to the car in the parking lot, um, somebody said, Pastor Steve! And I'm looking around, and there's some people over there that I didn't quite recognize. So I went over there, and a young woman came up to me with a couple little kids, and she said, Pastor Steve, remember me? And my mind is racing, you know. Yvette! And I said, well, Yvette, and gave her a big hug, and then I saw her mom. Martha was there, and Martha and Yvette were walking Yvette's kids around the park, and I got caught up on their history. They had all moved out to Santa Clarita. She was doing well. She was married. And uh, I thought, wow, this is a blessing, because that had been a long journey. Now, the church wasn't the only role in that family's life, but it played a role for those kids and for Martha as she sought to raise her children. Uh, we could tell stories the rest of the afternoon. I was thinking, and some of you know this story far better than me. I was thinking of Matt Rial. I don't know why he ended up coming to this church. I don't know the story, but as a young person, he came here. I think Matt's from a pretty broken family, a father who's not responsible. And he came here, and what happened to him? 
Daryl Waldron and Jackie and Bill Douglas and some of you, I don't even know who, uh, that you loved him and you shepherded him through junior high and high school and he went off to college and he went to Fuller Seminary and graduated and he and his family now pastor American Canyon Church up in the Bay Area. That's what the church does. It welcomes people, it loves them and helps them be whole and healthy and find Christ and serve Christ. Uh, we could talk about others of you in the church. Uh, you, you don't know it unless I tell you something, but uh, Elwood and Jesse, you go out to visit somebody and they've already been there. Because they keep contact with all sorts of people who used to be connected to our church who can't come anymore, and neighbors and all kinds of other people. They just go out and do it. It's not their ministry assignment. Nobody told them to do it. They just do it. That's the church in action. What are your dreams for our church? Uh, What do you hope for us? What do you pray for us? What are you willing to do to help the church be the church? I'd like for you to um, write something down on there. Have you written it down yet? Let me give you a minute just to jot something on this paper. And then I'm going to ask you to stand up in a cluster of four or five people and just share what you've written down. Just just do that. And we'll give you about another minute or so to jot it down. Just stand up where you are and just form circles of three to five people. Just stand up and... Share what you've written down about the church. Just this completion, my dream for our church is, and I want to give you two or three minutes to share that and uh, make sure that you don't leave anybody out. Look around you and make sure there's somebody there. Stand up and share, would you? Thank you so much for sharing, and uh, if you've got some more ideas, take the time to write it down. Worship continues, and uh, I want to encourage you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our church. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities to serve you in the church and to be served. Thank you for how the church has brought us to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, has loved us, has helped us find forgiveness when we failed, has encouraged us and given us hope and baptized us and Uh, We just thank you today. Lord, as folks write down their dreams for our church, we lift them up to you. We want to dream your dreams, and we want to help them become reality. So help us, Lord, to really be the church this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.